Episode 34. The Bible contains the mind of God. Genesis 10, verse 21, part A. Shem, Japheth's older brother, also had sons. But before we continue down this line too far too quickly, we're going to pause and understand the patterns God employs to allow a layered understanding of his mind. Listen to how the author of the preface to the Gideon's New Testament Bible, who was anonymous, so delicately and yet rightly describes the Bible and what it means to us. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveller's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, the design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labour, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Beautiful words which come from a contemplative soul, one who clearly understood the greatness of God's word and the depths which it delves into, the very mind of God and the very heart of Christ. The Bible does reveal different things, and they may affect us in our walk at various times of our life. It is filled with many major subject areas, and one of them is one which all Christians hold dearly to. That is, of course, the grand subject, Jesus Christ. From the earliest words of the Bible right to the last sentence, Jesus Christ is on prominent display. He is the centre and focus of our faith, and he is the one who reveals the unseen creator to us. God is progressively and succinctly revealing himself in a way which makes even complex issues understandable. Step by step, we make a journey as we read the Bible, and just like opening door after door to get closer and closer to the middle chamber of a building, as we read the Bible, we open one door after another until we reach the very heart of God and the inner workings of His mind. In this progressive revelation, there is a particular way that God narrows what He is doing, leading us to Jesus Christ. God uses a funnel type of pattern throughout much of the Old Testament to eventually direct our attention to a particular event 
and person in human history. As you certainly know, a funnel is used to narrow the path of something like a liquid or powder or pebbles or sand. By using a funnel, you take something broad and unwieldy and you direct it into a definite and sure path. Along the way, he branches off shoots from the main story, such as in Genesis 4 when Cain and his line are mentioned. But after going off on branches, the story returns to the main line and proceeds down the funnel. We left the ancient world behind in the flood and started out the new adventure with Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Then the story went into a branch about what Ham did to his father and then to Noah who pronounced a curse and blessings. After that, we came here to chapter 10 and read about two branches, Japheth and then Ham. Now God is returning to the funnel with Noah's second son, Shem. Remember this type of pattern as you read the Bible, and you will see how branches are mentioned when they will somehow affect the funnel, and then the funnel will be returned to. Eventually, the funnel will come to King David, and God's promise to him about an eternal kingship through one of his descendants. As is written in 2 Samuel chapter 7, When your days are fulfilled, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. 2 Samuel 7 verse 12-16 Is God arbitrarily choosing people and rejecting others? Is he showing favoritism as he narrows his funnel? The answer isn't as easy as a yes and a no. God has a plan to reconcile the world to himself, and he is doing it through real people who really lived. But along the way, he is giving us insights into the human condition and what does and doesn't please him. When we get to the book of Ruth, we will see a story about a real human family who has real tragedies and real joys. One main character of the book, Ruth, is outside of the line of Israel, and yet she is brought into it and eventually becomes an ancestor of Jesus. So, was there favoritism in her case? No, there was a response to faith, just as there was a response to Abel's faith and a rejection of Cain who lacked it. At the same time, there is a sort of favoritism involved towards people in the Bible as well. Once God establishes his covenant with a group of people like the sons of Israel, they partake of the blessings of that covenant whether they individually have faith or not. The rains would fall on the disobedient sons of Israel and water their crops just like they did on the obedient sons. Likewise, the disobedient would often receive the same protection as the obedient. Today, in Israel, there are those who have called on Jesus and those who haven't. Some of them will and some of them won't. 
but God has returned all of them to their land, and they all benefit from his grace. So, in a physical sense, God seems to show favoritism, but in the spiritual, each has to come to him individually by faith. It's the same for all the people of the earth. None of us deserve to be born at all. Some of us are born into nice families, and some to bad ones. Time and chance, that is where we stand, even if that time and chance is directed by God. In other words, the chosen line, God's funnel, which leads to Israel, is a microcosm of the world at large. In the end, whether Jew or Gentile, unless we approach God by faith, we have no true share or inheritance in him. Just the temporary earthly blessings which fade away when we die. Paul explains this in the book of Galatians and uses Abraham, the man of faith, as an example of this faith leading to favour. He writes, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise. Hallelujah and Amen.